0: Tonight is study number 10 of Genesis chapter 6, and we're going to be reading verses 6 and 7. And it repented Jehovah that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him at his heart. And Jehovah said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast and the creeping thing and the fowls of the air, for it repenteth me that I have made them. And I'll stop reading there. Now, this is, again, the time prior to the flood, when God is giving space of 120 years, the space that Noah will have, the, the length of time to construct the ark. But now at this point, God is declaring, he he is presenting the reason why He is going to destroy the first earth with a flood. And it's because he looked down and and saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth. And the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And we discussed that. How that is the fallen nature of sinful man. It is not just when a man um, murders someone, or or uh, when a man uh, steals something, or when a person lies, we we see um, and recognize those things as sinful. Yet God is able to look deeper than we are able to see, and He looks upon the heart of. Each unsaved individual and he sees only evil continually and therefore it provokes his wrath. And and so it says in Genesis 6 verse 6, And it repented Jehovah that he had made man on the earth. It repented Jehovah. And verse 7 tells us, That At the end of that verse, for it repenteth me that I have made them. So God says it twice. He repents from making man. And the first place we have to go when we find this kind of language that God is repenting is over in Numbers 23. In Numbers 23, this verse has to be set against uh, any kind of language where it says that God is repenting of something. In Numbers 23 and verse 19, it says there, God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. Hath he said, and shall he not do it? Or hath he spoken, and shall he not make it good? So, in Numbers 23.19, we're told that God is not a man, or the Son of Man, that he should repent. Naturally, that seems to contradict what we're reading here, or what we could read in other parts of the Bible, like in the book of Jonah when when God uh, repents of the evil that he had said he would do. And it appears to be a contradiction. The Bible says God will not repent. He's not a man that he should repent. And yet the Bible tells us he repents on occasion. And how do we solve that? Well, it's very simple. God is not a man that he should lie, it first said in Numbers 23, verse 19, nor a son of man that he should repent. That is, God is not a sinner. He has not committed sin, such as lying, or any kind of sin. That it requires repentance, as it does with mankind. Man has sinned. Man has rebelled against God, and so man is in need for repentance. He needs to repent of his sin. But God is not a man that he has sinned that he needs to repent. But on the other hand, the word repent itself means to turn around, to uh, reverse course, to take another action. And God, very well, may begin uh, a creation like this world and create mankind upon it. And the original condition for man and the world was good. And so, if all would have continued that way, mankind would have lived forever and, and, and there would have been no need for God to repent from creating man. But because mankind fell into sin and, and transgressed the law of God and, and uh, did evil in his sight, God repents of creating man. That is, he, he's going to destroy man from off the face of the earth after first placing man on the earth to populate it and, and to have dominion over it. So it's it's a turn of events. It's a, a reversal of the original intent of the creation from the beginning. And, and so we read that God repents. It says in first Samuel chapter fifteen 1 Samuel fifteen, beginning in verse twenty eight, and Samuel said unto him. Jehovah has rent the kingdom of Israel from thee this day and has given it to a neighbor of thine that is better than thou. Now, here uh, Samuel is speaking to King Saul and he's making reference to David. God has taken the kingdom from Saul and given it to David. And then in verse 29, it says, And also... "...the strength of Israel will not lie nor repent, for he is not a man that he should repent." So there, there is that similar statement. But then it says in verse uh, 35, "...and Samuel came no more to see Saul until the day of his death. Nevertheless, Samuel mourned for Saul, and Jehovah repented that he had made Saul king over Israel. You see how in the same passage, God uses the idea of repentance. First, he states the same thing that Numbers twenty-three nineteen said, that he will not lie nor repent. He's not a man that he should repent. But then, just a few verses later, we read that God... Repented, he had made Saul king over Israel. And, and, you know, these are the type of statements in the Bible that some critics point to and say, well, you see, there's contradictions when really the fault lies with the critic who is a casual reader and, and is not uh, taking enough time or consideration to find out what God is saying. And again, It's very simple. God is not a man that he should lie or repent. He's not a sinner and requires no repentance in turning from sin. But on the other hand, God made Saul king. And then after Saul did wickedly, he rebelled against God. God determined to take the kingdom from him and his house and to give it to another, to David. And, and so the Lord repents. That is the actual true sense of the word of turning about, turning course. No longer will the throne go down through the family of Saul, but now it will go to David and his descendants. That's the turning. And and it also shows us and and proves that when God makes this kind of of change, there's no sin on God's part. When God repents of a course of action, and of course, uh, it's all in the predetermined counsel of God. He knew before he made Saul king, what Saul would do. The, the very moment Saul would, would commit the, the action and what the Lord would do in taking the kingdom from him. It's not as though God is caught unaware or somehow was under the impression that Saul would be a faithful king. No, God for his own purposes set Saul up and permitted him to rule for a particular period of time And then he took the kingdom from him to give to David, all according to his sovereign decrees and will. Likewise, God knew before he created the world that uh, Satan would fall and enter into the serpent and approach Adam and Eve and deceive them. And they would be deceived and sin against God and eat of the tree that God had said, you shall not eat thereof. In the day you do, you will surely die. God knew all in advance perfectly, and yet God did not stop it. He permitted these things to happen. He's not responsible for man's sin. Man is the responsible agent before God. We're Each one of us are responsible for our own actions even today before God. Every human being created in the image of God is responsible to obey their creator and his law. Failure to do so is not God's fault, it's our fault, it's our sin, our transgression. Yet God knew all that would occur, and of course, he permitted it in order to bring forth and unveil his glorious gospel program his magnificent salvation plan and and so forth this is how he put this world on display to principalities and powers so when we read that god repents of a course of action it it's only in uh, one way uh, ultimately uh, overall what god is doing is in keeping with what he has decreed in, in his determinate for counsel, that, that these things would happen that way. And so, that's the idea here in Genesis chapter 6, verse 6. And I'll read it again. And it repented Jehovah, that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him at his heart. Now, the word grieved is Strong's number 6087 in the Hebrew concordance. And it it can be used, this word, um, this Hebrew word, translated as grief, can be used to denote sorrow. Uh, For instance, in Nehemiah chapter 8, it's um, found in verses 10 and 11. It says, Then he said unto them, Go your way, eat the fat, and drink the sweet, and send portions unto them for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy unto our Lord, neither be ye sorry for the joy of Jehovah's your strength. The word sorry is is this word translated as grieved. And in the next verse, verse 11, it's uh, used that way. So the Levites stilled all the people saying, hold your peace for the day is holy, neither be ye grieved. And, and, and so, uh, when we read that it repented Jehovah, he had made man on the earth and it grieved him at his heart. It does have the idea of sorrow. And also in second Samuel chapter 19, Second Samuel 19 in the first two verses. And it was told Joab, behold, the king weepeth and mourneth for Absalom. And the victory that day was turned into mourning unto all the people. For the people heard say that day how the king was grieved for his son. And if you want to see how grieved he was, Go to the previous chapter, 2 Samuel 18, and read the last verse, verse 33. And there it says, And the king was much moved, and went up to the chamber over the gate, and wept. And as he went, thus he said, O my son Absalom, my son, my son, Absalom, Would God I had died for thee, O Absalom, my son, my son. It, it is, um, revealing great compassion and, and, um, tremendous emotion. The king, um, had, had a strong desire for his son that he might have been spared. And, and, and so he was grieved for his son, weeping and lamenting and, and, and all that is involved, remember, God takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked. And who are the wicked people? The wicked people are men and women created in the image and likeness of God. Created, remember, God called Adam's name. He called his name Adam. Karashem. God was Adam's father. And, and mankind are very much the, the children of God. And, and yet they have rebelled. They, they have shaken their fist at God. And yet, uh, because of this, it's true, God must judge and, and, and destroy the sinners uh, out of the world he he must bring death to them because that's what the law demands the wages of sin is death in the day you eat thereof you will surely die god must be just and fulfill his own law and and so uh, he's about to destroy the world because man has been committing evil continually in his heart and God has witnessed it and therefore the wrath of God will fall and destroy the first earth with a flood. But it grieves God. It grieves him at his heart that he must take this action, that, that he must, uh, respond in anger towards these people who were originally created uh, good and 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 so forth. It, it it is not a pleasant thing. Remember the Lord Jesus, uh, he wept over Jerusalem. It it is not something that God takes lightly that He must bring judgment upon the church, the the people that bore His name, or upon the people of the world originally created in His image and likeness. Well, um, this word, grieved, is also found in Isaiah 63, and is translated as vexed. In Isaiah 63, verse 10, it says, But they rebelled and vexed His Holy Spirit. Therefore He was turned to be their enemy, and He fought Against them. And that's the idea. It, it, uh, is a sorrowful thing. It, it's, um, uh, just a, a mournful thing that this must be, but it is, um, what God must do because his law has been violated and transgressed. Okay. Let's go on to verse seven and Again, uh, it says, And Jehovah said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, and the creeping thing, and the fowls of the air, for it repenteth me that I have made them. And, you know, early on, we saw when man fell into sin, that God warned them, In the day you eat thereof you will die they did die in soul in their soul existence and the lord pronounced the curse upon them upon the man upon the woman upon the serpent but really this is the first time that god is giving more detail or or filling in exactly what death involves Previously, it, it had the idea of just you, you cease to live. But, but now, God is saying He will destroy man whom He created from the face of the earth. It is letting man know that your sin will not just bring about your death. Or as in the case with Cain, God drove him out. There was separation, there, there was, uh, movement away from God, between God and man, but now the Lord is further, uh, again, giving information, more specifics, that, that are revealing that not only will man die, not only will he be separated from God, But he will be destroyed from the face of the earth, from the creation. And not only man, but God also says man, beast, the creeping thing, and the fowls of the air. Four groups of creatures are listed. Four pointing to the universal scope. It will be a worldwide destruction. It affects every living creature, man, and, and all the other living creatures upon the face of the earth. It, it, it really impacts the whole creation. And, and it is God's plan because of man's sinfulness to wipe him off of the face of the earth. That, that really is devastating news. That, that now God is revealing that this is what sin will bring. And it just gets worse and worse, doesn't it? You, you'll die. Okay. And, and so man has been dying. Remember we're, we're at the point of almost 6,000 years from the creation, from the fall of Adam and Eve into sin. And man has been dying. Over the course of these 6,000 years, also there has been some that were driven out from the presence of the Lord. Cain and his descendants, they became wanderers, those that lived in the land of Nod and, and a, a different line, not a line of, that had identification or association with the line of God any longer. But now, now God is saying the, the whole earth, the whole creation, everything I've made, you will be destroyed from off the face of it. It is a worldwide catastrophe that will occur and you will be gone forever due to your sin.